0: there's this fun little tweet in we got that I thought it was an honorable mention. <clears throat> Trey Hildebrand says, guys that like girls don't have man buns at Matt Hayes. <laughs> I feel like you're getting a lot of love.
1: <laughs> so a, I'm really glad half the room just left. Because didn't hear that question. Uh, B Trey <laughs> Hildebrand is a dirty liar. Uh, C, um, well, cause you're his sister. Um, you have to say that. Uh, uh, th- th- three. Um, I need a haircut. And H. Don't do Um. That. Thor has a man bun. I think he wears oh, it down that's most. Thor. Th- that's I don't freaking care. <laughs> Thor does it. All right. Carry well, on.
0: Don't think you and Thor are on the like, oh, same oh, level. Oh, thanks, Christine. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Started having babies. Stop working out. All right. Get off me.
0: <laughs> okay, we're gonna shift into relationships. <laughs> oh, fun talks Of course Alright, for each of you Across the board, how do you address People telling you to go about Your relationship the way the world says Is okay, so living a relationship By society standards uh, You don't.
1: <laughs> yeah. don't Right Right is right Even if no one else is doing it no, no, no. Wrong is okay. wrong What
2: was the question? Did you all ask this question?
1: Yes. So
0: how do you address people telling you the way that you're going about
2: your relationship is wrong? Because we don't live together, we don't sleep together, we don't do anything about how do you address the people telling you the way that you're doing things will end in failure? Aha. Thanks for clarifying. Right so for those who right. said it out for those who couldn't hear let's say you, hypothetically or realistically.
1: For a friend. For a friend. Right? Right? Yeah. And that friend is Sheldon. It's fine, yeah, okay, that's great.
2: So people are saying, why why, why don't y'all live together? Why aren't y'all sleeping together? Why don't y'all just go on and, you know, live life like the way the world lives it? How do you respond to the haters? Um, I
3: hate us because hate anus. The
2: haters going to hate. hate. Um, I mean, you just, you live your life. Like, you don't have to prove yourself to them. You don't have to give them an answer. Your actions and your lifestyle is going to speak more volumes than whatever... Cute, you know, witty answer or whatever Christian answer you're going to give back. You just say, you know, this is just how we choose to do life, and then drop the mic and walk off. <laughs> you don't owe them anything. Bye bye. <laughs> you know, if you're honoring God. Yeah. And um, you
1: don't owe them anything is a great one. That's it. Yeah, and and, and if they really want like. A, I would highly question whether or not they're your friends. I'm not saying that they are your friends asking it, but if your friends are consistently questioning why you're not banging it out with the person you're dating, then are they really your friends? A, B, B. Two. B, uh, it's not even B. I don't know what I'm doing. That's right. Uh, Next, um, I can guarantee you that every single one of us up here, all three of us, Right now, with the position and the place that we are in life, we are either there are deep regrets we have of when we did stuff like that, or there is incredible gratitude and thankfulness that we have the marriage that we have now. You should be dating to see if you could marry the person, not to see how great they are with their clothes off. The, the world would say otherwise. But if you actually want to date in a way that honors God inside boundaries, you should be trying to figure out if you can marry that person. And if you're dating someone and you're like, I don't really know that I can marry them, then your answer is break up tonight. (laughs) Tonight. Because I'm telling you what to do, and the easiest it will ever be is right now. If you don't think you can marry that person, bye. That's it. And anyone else who has a problem with that, you don't owe them anything. Yeah, you'd be, do you, be confident, know that. And and man, if it's teammates, if it's in a locker room, if it's just all the time all over you, you go be a light in the darkness. Because I guarantee you, they watch and they're seeing, like, there's something different about it. Why are they not, why are they not living together? What well, this is, We, hmm, maybe there's something to this. And you might not even know the benefit. You might not even know the greatest What's the word? Yeah, you might not even know the greatest benefit of your decision to do that until 5, 10, 15 years from now. Or maybe whenever you have children and you can teach them when they're in your shoes, listen, I know how dumb it is. Don't be alone. Don't be horizontal. And no, you don't get to close the door when your girlfriend's over here. Right? Because dad was dumb when he did that. So I'm going to save you. I'm going to protect you a little bit. Like, get wisdom. That's it.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in that.
1: I think um,
3: you can always go to like the, the Christian, like here's why we choose not to do that because the Bible says this or God's called me to do this. And I don't know that was your question. You may already know that stuff. Let me give you a statement that uh, I've leaned on a lot in my life, not just for relationship stuff but for a lot of different things. If, if you don't want to go directly to Scripture or whatever, um, you can say, you know what, uh, I'm trying to live my life with great re- reward and little regret. And I feel like the decisions that I'm making right now are going to lead me down that path to have great reward and little regret. And uh, and that can lead into other conversations, but um, I've leaned on that a little bit.
1: Retweet. Good job writing that down, Sheldon. That's right. That's smart. <laughs> that's one. That's that's ammo. That's good.
3: Good.
0: All right. Next question. Advice on godly dating. Part two. How do we know we have the
1: one. The one doesn't exist.
0: Ooh. Oh, Yikes. <laughs> oh, that got an applause.
1: Right out the gate. There was no like though yeah, the, the one doesn't exist. Sorry. They don't. And and you're never gonna find someone that's gonna complete you. Jerry is a freaking liar. Um He's a saint. There are mm-hmm. Don't you talk about Tom Cruise. Uh there are I'm just going to make a blanket statement. When I was in college, there are probably 15 different girls that I could have chosen to date. And we could have had an incredible marriage and lived a wonderful life and had a lot of really pretty babies and, uh, and, had, and had a wonderful story. Like someone asked me, well, how would you know she was the one? Because I chose her. Because I said, I choose to love you, right? This is biblical love. Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. If you think that it's the one and like, oh, my gosh, I, like, I have to be with him. They're my soulmate. Like, no. No, boo-boo. No. <laughs> biblical love is a choice. It's not an affectionate feeling. Every single day, I guarantee you, all three of us with our spouses, there are times where we are like, I don't want to even, like, I can't. You're just pissing me off. Bye. Like, I don't like you right now. And yet through every context of I don't like you right now is, and yet I choose to love you. My emotions aren't going to control what it is. So if I want to find this emotionally fleeting, sweet mercy, he's a dreamboat and I have to be with him. Um, Yes, but that's not the answer. There is no, like Cupid doesn't, that's a figment of fiction. Young, young, and add on, but <laughs>
2: that's Um, I mean, I totally agree. Um, women, we are emotional beings. We love love stories. We love the feelings and the butterflies. And um, so did
1: me in Austin.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we love the idea, the concept of a soulmate. You know, maybe you've met somebody through high school, or maybe you've met somebody now, and they just like, Get your blood boiling, you know. You just feel things you never felt before when you're around them. And you think, they are my soulmate. Um, But the choice is so much greater than the feelings. Because they will go away, you know, when life goes on. And you grow into a deeper love. You grow, I feel like, into the more sacrificial love and the unconditional love that's going to last, that Christ created marriage for. And sure, when I got married to my husband, Michael, you know, I was in college. I was 21 when we got engaged. Got married a month after graduation. Um, Young, very young. You know, at the time, we knew it all. We were grownups. But now I look back and I think, gosh, we were so young. But um, over the years, there have been... Y'all, I'm going to be honest, there's been so many times where I thought, I don't think I was supposed to marry him. And he probably thought the same thing about me, because just junk comes up. You know, you bring baggage into marriage, and you see things that you didn't see before when y'all were dating, and um, you have to choose, you know, in this moment, am I still going to love this person? And the enemy will twist your thoughts and tell you, there was somebody else out there. You missed your chance. Remember that time when you were supposed to go to this college, but you decided to stay for another semester? Your husband was actually at that other college. You know, you you start thinking these crazy, wacky thoughts. And I've had old boyfriends come back to me during marriage and say, we should have been married. And let me tell you what the enemy will try to do to a woman who may be in, you know, kind of a, a down season of her life, just had a baby, you know, what, what is life right now, who am I, what is sleep, um, you know, marriage is like, what is marriage, I thought it was this, but now you're over there, and the baby's here, I'm so confused, um, and you you forget who you are, and the enemy will say, mm, I have a foothold. Let me use this foothold because he wants to ruin marriages. And he wants to create a facade that says marriage should look like this and feel like this. When God's like, no, really create a marriage to make you holy, not to make you happy. Because the enemy will say, if you're not happy over here, this guy over here, he's going to make you happy. Remember, he's your soulmate because you still feel butterflies when he calls you or texts you. No. Christ says, wait a second. You chose this person, and you were in my will when you chose this person, and I'm using it to change you and to shape you and to sanctify you. All those hard times you're having with him, you're growing in that, and I'm using it to show what's inside of you that you need to bring to me and let me change, and you're developing your husband at the same time. Don't back out when things get dull and bland and vanilla. You know, it's not about soulmate. It's about sanctification in your life, and God does that through marriage.
1: Right. You didn't always wake up like that. Like, you will wake up and look over and be like, hmm, you got some horrible breath right now. That's harsh. <laughs> Yet you know, I'm still going to kiss you. I still love, like, real life happens. And uh, I think a lot of times we, just get it, we can just get it so twisted. Um, we really can. And whenever you get into marriage, then you start fighting for your marriage. And a lot of times, every single question comes back to whatever it is that you view about God. So I believe that God's sovereign, and I believe that the Bible says that he, knew, he knows how many hairs are on your head, and he knew you before you were even born, before you were even a figment of a thought. He knew you. Well, in order to know you, he had to know who your parents would be. So if you were supposed to be with somebody else, you, they, they would have been with somebody else. But he knew you, and he knew how it would happen, and he has his hands over time. So because I believe that, I know that like my choice, this is his is desire, is my choice. And he didn't choose, he doesn't desire for me to go and find someone else. Marriage is one person, and it's incredibly fun, hard work. That's the definition of marriage, incredibly fun, hard work. In a lot of seasons, it's a lot more fun. In a lot of seasons, a lot more work. And through all of it, you just got to choose the other person. Yeah, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. No, I'm not a freaking bird. You can go be a bird. I'm going to be a lion because that's Aslan and he's better.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, but we yeah. love the notebook, though, don't we? We still love the notebook.
3: Let me, uh, right. Can I chime in on this before we go to the next one? Yeah. Y'all, y'all may be done with this, but let me hit on it real fast. Um, dating advice: here's what I would say just really quickly. like. If I was in your shoes once again, this, it, this is with the context of you wanting to be a Jesus follower, you're a Christian, that kind of thing. Um, I would get in your lane, and I would chase Jesus, and I would go after him, obey him with everything I have, keep my focus on the calling that he has on my life right now, serve at C12, do what he's calling me to do. You do that. Every now and then, look to your right, look to your left. Just see, if you see a boy or a girl that is running in the same direction as you, By the way, I meant like if you're a boy and you see a girl, if you're a girl, you see a boy. Um, If uh, running in the same direction as you, then say, cool, keep running, all right? A couple months later maybe, look back. If they're still there running the same direction, maybe get a friend or two and say, hey, do y'all see this? I think I'm attracted to him or her. I think this may be something. And they go, yeah, yeah, okay. And then you just keep running. And then after a couple times of just looking, and they're still in the same direction, they're still going, then you look at, you know, maybe we can make something happen of this. I think the problem that a lot of young people get into is they try and join lanes really, really early. And then what happens is you just cross the line that was meant to be there way too soon. And you try and get in the same lane, and then you end up, this metaphor breaks down at some point, but, like, no, yeah. you know, then you end up pole vaulting instead of running around the track. I don't know, but, like, so stay in your lane and run the race that God's called you to race. Look over, and if there's someone running that same race, then give it some time. And if y'all still run the same direction, then look into it from there. That's just some practical stuff It may make no sense. But.
1: And if we don't get to your question tonight, because a lot of y'all stayed, thank you. But if we don't get to it tonight... We see all of them, and so our desire is that we be able to answer them back to you, uh, whether it's through Twitter in a, in a quick, however in the world we can answer it in 140 characters, uh, or if it's in an email, <laughs> in some capacity. Uh, we're going to try to get to all of them, even if it's not in this capacity tonight, so uh, mm-hmm. just so you know that, but let's keep going. Yes. Is this good? <laughs> I told you. <laughs>
0: okay. What is the proper or godly way to handle a breakup?
3: Like if you're the one doing the breakup or you're receiving I the breakup? An,
0: I think it's an Memories. either or. I think it's an either yeah. or. Either the answer? you are breaking up or you're
1: receiving it. Right. Not like I did. <laughs> Does that work? You cried a lot. I did cry. I was a freaking. Ab- I have apologized to friends for how I acted after I got broken up with. That's real life. Yeah. What a girl. Not like I did.
3: i a
2: girl. I mean, you just be honest. You don't don't pull the God card. I got the God card pulled on me one time, like, I just God. want to spend more time with God. And like two weeks later, he's with that sorority checklist. Right. That didn't or, look like God. Or with
1: your accountability partner. Wonder why I had anger when I was 21. Josh. <laughs> Sorry. <Is> Josh here?
2: <laughs> anger, underlying anger. Just be honest. I mean, I think even if it might sting in the beginning, like, you know, I'm just not attracted to you in that way. Um, Ouch. But it's better than lying and, you know, them feeling like, gosh, they couldn't even respect me enough to tell me the truth. Um, That's good. I mean, yeah, just be honest. I mean... There's no godly way to do it other than telling yeah. the
3: truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and let me say this, just uh, some real practical stuff. Whenever you break up, break up. That's right. So one of the things that I see a lot of young people do is they break up, then they try and keep the friendship, then they try and, well, let's just break it for a little bit, but still, like, hang out on Friday nights on even numbers of weeks throughout the month. Like, you try and keep it all together. It doesn't work. No. If you're going to break it up, like, break it. At least for some time. Like, if you want to say, hey, let me just break for, like, two months, and then, like, we'll come back. I don't recommend doing yeah, I'm that. A, yeah, I would caveat yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't recommend that. Uh, but <laughs> break, that was one of the best things that had happened to me in college, just to be real. Um, so I was dating a girl, and then she said, hey, we can't do this. And uh, and then she was, like, a jerk about it. Like, we're not texting. We're not, do, like, we're not hanging out. We're not talking to each other in between class. Like, it was just a wave. It was really harsh, and it, it really, like, hurt my pride, but it turned out to be the best thing for me because I had a clear break. It was clear it was done. Let's move on with life. Let's get on with, with things, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, the best possible way to handle a breakup is act like the other person doesn't even exist. They, yeah. The other person should not be anywhere on your radar. They should not exist in your world, and you should not care about them. You don't owe anything to them. You don't owe anything to them. So they don't exist. If someone breaks up with you, act like they don't exist. Now, there's guys I would tell y'all a little bit of like an addendum to that on the other side, where if you want to know what that is, you can come ask me because I'm not going to give away secrets. All right? Good call. But, But, yeah, the best possible way is what he was saying and what Paige said. Be honest about it. Be truthful. And the best possible way, that other person doesn't exist anymore. Because you weren't friends before. Don't think you can just be friends now. And if you were friends before, great. Maybe after a long time, after you think they don't exist, then you can be friends again. Yeah.
0: True. Okay. One more question on the relationship realm. Are we supposed to love everyone? Very general love question.
1: (laughs) Are all lights bright? (laughs) Well, uh, well, to whom? Um.
2: I mean, it'd be nice to have more specifics behind. I mean, they were thinking something. Anybody in this room ask that question? Okay. Yeah, you're supposed to love everybody, but you're not supposed to like...
0: Get in bed with everybody.
1: Yeah, there are.
0: What about loving difficult people? No, you got like the god love. Okay. So
1: should you love difficult people? Okay.
0: Now like how to love difficult. How how to love difficult? Okay.
1: Matt, let me go first. Please, I would say there are four different kinds of love, and so you got another different facets. But that's C.S. Lewis, man. That ain't me. That sounded way better than what I was about to say.
3: No, please say. (laughs) All right, I'll do this. That's Um, all I got. So we we know Jesus loves everyone. That's. Probably like where this is coming from. Like we know God is love. He doesn't just love people. He actually is love itself. And so we are to love everyone. So Jesus loves people unconditional. However, his relationship with you is conditional. So he will love you unconditionally, but his nearness to you oftentimes depends on what you're going. Doesn't the Bible say draw near to God and he will draw near to you? So his, his nearness to you is conditional. And so what I would say is, is I would treat people kind of in a similar way. My job is to love everyone. However, my relationship with people and my nearness to them and my friendship with them is conditional. Yep. Okay? That doesn't mean I just bail on people because they're hard. I mean, if you're really going to love people unconditionally, that's going to require a deep love that is not based on emotion. But... Your proximity and relationship is conditional. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Your marriage is conditional. Yeah. If she goes and cheats on me 17 times, guess what? Something's going to change. One time. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> Grace, bro. Um, I, think, I think that they're absolutely, I think you're right. I think that in terms of forgiveness, right, It's so difficult people, maybe someone has wronged you and you're like, how in the world can I forgive this person and love them? Forgiveness is a choice and it is not equivalent. It is not synonymous to reconciliation. All it is is that you choose to let go of the anger and the grudge that you hold against the person. So it could be that you need to choose to forgive. It could be that you need to choose to view the person how God views you. You have done far worse to God than that person has done to you, and yet he loves you. So the moment you start looking at people through the view and the lens of how God views you, that changes everything. Because if you think you have some right to treat somebody without love, and yet God shows you love, then you're completely twisted and backwards. Um, I think there are also different kinds of love. And this is what C.S. Lewis talks about. There's four loves. The four loves is the book he wrote. and talks about how we use the word love as one word, but really we lose the context of what it means in certain situations. So I don't know about y'all, but you know what I don't love is the Yankees. But I love the Atlanta Braves. Like, it's spring training everything's going on. We're going to suck this year, but really soon it'll be great. I love the Atlanta Braves, but you know what else I love? My son. And you know what? I love, I love tacos. (laughs) And I love my wife. Like these things, yeah, these things, (laughs) these things are not synonymous and so the word love gets used oftentimes in many different ways. But the, the love that I have for my son, the agape love that I have for my son is totally different than the love that I have for Christine, the phileo, brotherly type love I have for Christine. It's totally different from the eros, the erotic love that I have for my wife. There, and there are... To- Why are you cheering? That is, that is mine, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> There are, there are different types and, and versions of love. And so choosing to love someone that's difficult to love, you need to ask yourself, why are they difficult to love? Because they annoy you? Well, you probably annoy them. Um, because they've offended you? Okay, well, forgive them and get over it. Uh, because they've wronged you? Because they've hurt you? Because there's legitimate reasons not to love this person? Absolutely. That doesn't mean you have to be reconciled but it means that you can act the same way that Jesus acts towards you and he forgives you regardless of what you've done against him.
0: Great. And actually one more question on relationships.
1: Hang on. Yes, was there? But you don't have, Great. boom. Twitter, what's your name? Genevieve. Twitter, Twitterless Genevieve. We would love to hear <laughs> the question.
0: If I heard your question correctly, you're asking how to deal with a scenario relationship where there's a point of contention where one person is saying, let's move in together, let's do our relationship this way, while the other person is like, no, that goes against my values, that goes against my beliefs, but they come back with... But people are happy. We've seen successes in other relationships doing it this way while the other person comes back. But it goes against values, beliefs, what I know to be true and right.
1: Is that right? Okay. You want to go on that first?
0: Yeah, that that sucks, really.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's hard. That's tough. But that's life. Um, And the way I hear it, it sounds like you're... Your Relationship with Christ and what you want to follow and obey that Christ has told you may be different. I don't know, you know, if this is a boyfriend of yours or if it's asking for a friend, she's asked for a friend, Ask for a friend, oh, obviously. Friend. Yeah, um, she, did,
1: she, doesn't have, she doesn't have Twitter, but she did this. Hashtag, hashtag okay. ask for a friend.
2: Um, I mean, I feel like that's where a lot of our decisions come from. You know, who do we want to honor? You know, what type of morals and values are we trying to, um to keep up and just my advice to you is just stand your ground you know you've got to stand your ground and um you'll regret making a decision feeling um slightly pressured you know like you don't want to hurt his feelings you want to keep the relationship going you may really want to marry this person what if you don't end up marrying him because he says well I wanted to live together. I'm sorry. Well, you know, kind of what we talked about already. There's somebody else out there.
1: <laughs> when you were dating Michael, if he ever did anything that you felt like it disrespected you, would that not change the game completely?
2: Yeah.
1: Like, your foundation yeah. has to be the same. Yeah. Like, if if there's, here's the truth, if you're dating and something like this comes up, something like this scenario happens, um, wisdom is looking to the past, to know what's going to happen in the future before it happens. Wisdom would say this is not the first time you're going to have a point of contention. And you're probably stepping into a relationship that's not founded on the same thing. Um, This is why being unequally yoked is such a big deal. First off, it it is a clear black and white thing in the Bible. If you are a follower of Jesus, the only person that you should be seeking to try to marry is another follower of Jesus. So if the other person that you're dating does not love Jesus, you should break up tonight period. However, if you choose to continue in a relationship like that, you're setting yourself up for a lot of difficulty because if my identity is Jesus, if everything of who I am is Jesus, then that's going to determine every decision that I make as a husband and as a grown-up and as a parent. So I'm going to raise, my job is to raise my children towards Jesus. If I fail in everything but my kids go to heaven, I've won. And if my spouse isn't with me in that, you have to be a united front. Because the moment you're not a united front, you're divided. She made a, my, or not when you, it, was a it was a girl that's just like you in terms of wisdom. No, like someone I highly respect, like Paige, just said, um, if you walk around, and this has to do with like authority and other things, but just the united front side, if you see something walking around without a head, without a head on, it's dead. Like, it's either the walking dead or it's literally dead, right? If you see something walking around with two heads, that's a freak. Like, that shouldn't exist. And yet, there is a clear relationship of how God has lined up marriage and the church and everything to be to be driven where Christ is the head of the church. We are the bride. There are relational things to find. And whenever you fall inside of the relational boundaries of authority within the relationship you become a united front but whenever you're not a united front you're either you're you're something that's going to end poorly or you're something that's going to end maybe even more poorly you have to you got to be together and if you're dating to try to figure out if you could marry the person and they're not in line with you and they're putting a hard foot down of like no we're going to live together or we're done then you say okay we're done If you can't respect me enough to be on the same page of where I am right now, then why in the world would I think you'd come around to be on the same page just because you put a ring on it? Mm -hmm. So lead it with wisdom. That's what I would. Does that help? Oh, I just talked for five minutes. That answer. (laughs) Crap. Um, Right. Th- that, sounds like, that sounds like sometimes whenever I, my wife says I've offended her and I'm like, babe, I'm sorry, but then I still do it. Like, no, I wasn't really sorry. I just wanted to make you feel better. If it keeps coming, like, yeah. and, and dating is not something that you just give tons of patience to. You should never settle. Your standards should not drop regardless of how attractive you find that person. So, yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. Just uh, practically, I would get a third party involved. I would bring uh, again, call mom.
2: I'm just kidding. No, aka Matt.
1: Don't do that. <laughs> aka Matt.
3: So I would, I would, you two guys get together with someone that you trust that can speak wisdom to both of you at the same time. Otherwise, it may be like you going home or wherever to him and going. You know, this is what he said about you, or this is, you know, that kind of thing. If you guys can come together and get some wisdom to both of you, I think that would be helpful. Okay.
1: So it's 940. We're going to go till 10. All right, I'm going to put a deadline. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah I mean, my wife is wondering where I'm at, but no big deal. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, she's <laughs> got a babysitter. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. I don't have babies. So. I have a babysitter. Is that that's right. what she said? Do you I have, have a babysitter? husband who's babysitting. That's I guess the same it's thing a, a lot of times. Um, so, yeah, I'm... My wife's not in labor yet, so we can go. Um, we're going to go until 10. If you want to stay another 20 minutes, we'll do that. Okay? If that's fair. Let's go. All right. um, yeah, go ahead. All
0: right. Another question. How do you know a guy is pursuing you?
1: You will know. And, and, and if you don't know, he's not the type of guy that you want have pursuing you.
2: Yeah. I mean, he makes the effort. He compliments you. He compliments you. He's nice to you. He shows respect to you. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, he makes you feel like you're, you're worthy and you're honored. And, I mean, if he's not throwing out the signs, then he's just not throwing out the signs. He's not interested.
1: And would you say, now this is great. I get to like, interview, I'm going to interview her, okay? Um, <laughs> did you know when you were dating Michael that he was confident? Yes. And if he wasn't confident, you'd automatically know, wouldn't you?
2: Confident in what, himself or like in if our If his
1: confidence came from the fact that you were his girlfriend, wouldn't you know that?
2: Oh, he was confident before I started dating him I wouldn't have dated him.
1: Boom. All right. So, <laughs> so, the way you know if a guy is pursuing you is he is actually making it clear, hey, I want to pursue you. Now, it may not be with that vernacular, but if you're confused, like, I don't know if he like doesn't really know boundaries. Like, he's, is he just trying to be a friend? I don't know what this is well then your answer is that's not the type of guy you want pursuing you anyways
2: yeah, if he's acting dweeby and like he doesn't even know how to compliment dweeby. you and
1: that was good you know, <laughs> dweeby move on dweeby. i hope that answers you check his confidence
0: cool. another question yes does feminism go against the bible or the other side of the coin Why can't women hold a leadership role in the church?
1: Wait, hey, time out, time out. Hey, wait, wait, I want, yeah. Savannah, come here, Savannah, come here. Savannah just went bananas in the back, (laughs) like, oh, shoot, she just got. I know what's about to happen, I'm excited. She was about to, like, crump in the back and fight. Okay, so turn around, turn around. Okay, leadership does exist in the church. Yes. (laughs) Women and leaders... Women, women in leadership exist in the church, okay? Um, so that's the first answer. Yeah. She's a leader, too. She absolutely, yeah. yeah. She is. She's a mentor. Staff, so. Right, so if you're talking about pastoral staff at a church on a role like that, um, I'll say this about Savannah. This is Savannah's last night. I don't know if some of y'all knew that. Um, Savannah's moving to Florida. She's going get, to be getting married, taking a new job. It's going to be incredible. We are... For her, behind her, with her, and proud of you. Um, let me just say this about her, and I've told this to her before, so it's not like this is new. The reason why I love doing ministry with Savannah is not because, okay, she's super talented. She's really good. We connect in worship. We get it in creating the vibe of what C12 worship is. And isn't it awesome? do you all Yes. Okay. But even before that, the reason why I love doing ministry with Savannah is because she's a pastor. She pastors people. She shepherds people. She leads people. Mm -hmm. So while there may be specific roles within the church that certain people would put this onus on of can a woman be in that role. First off, let's cut through the question. Can women be in leadership in the church? Yes. That's biblical. Women were in leadership within Israel at certain seasons. Um,
0: Hashtag Deborah.
1: Yeah. I I have, I have kind of personal beliefs on it, so I don't know if that's really where we... I, if you, you want to speak into this, being <laughs> the woman in leadership at the church on the stage?
0: Um, this one's kind of a little bit of a, my own heartbeat behind this issue. Um, honestly, throughout the whole Bible, personal stuff aside, just looking through the biblical account, just the Bible... We see it in an Old Testament and in New Testament of women being in the leadership, even top-level leadership. I said hashtag Deborah. Deborah is found in Chapter 4 and 5 of Judges. She was the fourth judge over all of Israel. This meant she was the political leader, spiritual leader, military leader. Like, everybody reported to Deborah. And so if we needed an Old Testament account of a woman in leadership, Deborah is it. New Testament, we see a lot more different examples uh, like Priscilla and Aquila. Both were uh, evangelists with Paul. They worked in tent making business and they evangelized, raised up Apollos, who also grew up to be an evangelist during the time of Paul. So they were training up other church leaders while the church was spreading out and all that kind of stuff. And there's Lydia and a whole bunch of other people uh, within the Bible who are women that held spiritual authority in raising up men and women to further out God's calling.
2: I wanted to jump back to the beginning part of that question, just the feminism yes. statement. What was that actual question? Is feminism against the Bible? Okay, if feminism. Let me see. Defining fast, feminism. When I hear feminism, I, I, hear, I think like angry. (laughs) I think like these women who feel jolted and um, they're angry and they want to prove they're strong. I am woman. Hear me roar. You know, I can do whatever a man can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. But I feel like taking feminism to the the point of demeaning men and making them look stupid and making men look incapable or dumb or unqualified to do things that only women can do. I think that's wrong. God yeah. created man in his image. We are no better than man. You know, men are no better than us. There is a role. Mm-hmm. There's a purpose that women can play. And yes, we can lead. Yes, we can support. But doing it honoring all people and honoring men and their value as well. That's what I don't like about feminism. Um, so yeah. that's that.
0: Yeah, feminism has become kind of like a <laughs> dirty word. Sorry, what are you
3: going to say? No, I, I was going to say.
0: Okay. Yeah, feminism has kind of turned into this dirty word. At its core, the, its original meaning is equality. So men not better than women and women not better than men. It's equal opportunity, equal playing field. So it's kind of turned into a rah-rah woman power over the guy. But at its heart, I would say in that respect, Yes. Uh, The Bible is against feminism for that terminology, but the Bible is... In the same
1: way that it's against male chauvinism. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, both sides, both extremes, the Bible is against that. What the Bible is for is what God has called each individual to, and their role specifically in that, and that looks different for every single person, male or female, and the Bible is definitely for gender equality, because yeah. both were created in the image of God. Yeah. Both have his thumbprint on them. And both are equally called to serve his kingdom and his kingdom advancement and to love all right. people.
1: I, um, yeah, I think this is spot on. My, uh, <laughs> kind of a, a, something I heard that I, I, I attribute to a lot of truth within this. Um, there's a pastor over in South Carolina, his name is Perry Noble, um, mm-hmm who I like a lot, and I think says things with great, uh, just language to speak into. And he was asked this question. So how do you, you know, where do women fall within the leadership of the church? And he said exactly what Christine said. Like, there's a biblical narrative and example of women in leadership in the church. Um, I, one of the things he said that I thought was, was great was, while the default um, is to the man as the leader within the church, there are clearly examples where women are in leadership. Um, and so while both have the equal opportunity, the thing that I apply to this, and it may, this may be more of my personal, but if the relationship of Christ in the church is the mirror image of the relationship in marriage, and God has clearly designed marriage where the man is the spiritual leader within the marriage, that does not mean that he, whatever he says goes. My wife leads me every single day. She inspires me every single day and her faith carries us many days. But there is a role that I specifically and uniquely have as a man where I am the spiritual leader of the house. It's a mantle that's been given to me. And there is a a submission that my wife is able to do to me, but here's the the kick. That doesn't mean she does everything I say. It means that I learn how to mutually and voluntarily submit to her as well. So in my personal opinion, In the greatest, healthiest relational example of how the church exists, it would be with a man in the primary leadership role because that's the mirror of the relationship of Christ and the church. However, even if you knew the nuances and the ins and outs of how this happens, the problem with the question is built upon title. Can a woman be a senior pastor? Can a woman be a teaching pastor? Like, that's a title, And titles don't equate influence. The larger that you get in leadership and the older that you get, you'll understand that if you start leading from a place of your title, you're leading very petty. You're leading very low, and you're not at a high level. You could go ask PK, Kevin Myers, our senior pastor. He won't just joke about it. He'll say it with truth. One of the people that has the greatest influence in this entire church is his admin, Diane Heller. PK defaults to Diane in a lot of decisions because they in their re- unique relationship here in the leadership of this church practice mutual voluntary submission. The person who is the longest tenured person on our staff as a church is a woman. Her name's Lisa Goodwin. She's been here growing the spiritual formation side of our church for the last 20 20 years, 23 years. 23 years. Like So don't equate leadership with title. Because I would even say, there are women at this church that might even be on staff that have less influence than Paige, and Paige isn't even on staff. You don't need a title to make an influence and an impact in the kingdom, mm-hmm. period. So don't, don't get hung up on that, but if you want the biblical narrative and the biblical side, it's, it's in there, and you can't get away from that. So I, I know that's a long, drawn-out answer, but just to try to cover the basis of where you can understand that because culturally, that comes up a lot.
0: Sorry, I got seven, seven,
1: eight <laughs> more minutes. Y'all good with that? Okay.
0: Do you think Interstellar is a great example of God's love? The movie Interstellar.
1: Yes. Is this what you wanted the whole night? Is this you, Jen? <laughs> Jen has literally tweeted in 18 times with like backwards and upside down smiley faces and stale faces and like All every emoji emojis. possible. Like look, he's doing this. He's a first grader doing this in class. Look so at this.
2: Special shout Ooh, out to you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> totally calling you out. Homework. What
2: do you think? Do you think it is?
1: Is the movie Interstellar a wonderful picture of God's love? Is that what your question is? An, an accurate Who depiction asked it. of God's love. Who Jen asked did it? right here. The third guy.
2: Navy. Navy shirt. Okay. That was a really confused, it? it's a confusing movie.
1: I actually haven't. It oh, made well, me mad. Oh. Uh, you seen oh. Interstellar?
2: Yes, it was very confusing. You confused? Okay. So confused. I loved it. I thought it was amazing.
1: Who's seen Interstellar, just for the context of the conversation? Yes. Who has not seen Interstellar? All right, go waste three hours of your life later tonight and stay up till 2 a.m., okay? It's really good. By waste, I don't mean that it's not good. I mean that you should be sleeping, but go watch it, all right? Here's the
2: problem I had with it, and we'll keep it short because half the room has not seen it, but I'll answer it for you. The problem I had with it is that he left his family. He
1: just ruined
2: it. He, well, watch the movie.
1: That's not ruining anything. He had anything. to save
2: the world. That doesn't But do this, this is my personal problem, my personal problem, I, I did not like that he left his family and he came back and... He missed that whole time, but that's season of life. I'm in, I'm all about pouring into my my kids. So, yes, he saved the world, but he missed his own children. And for me, when I was thinking, We're God's children, that's how I saw the movie. I'm like, I'm God's child, and here he is. He left, he left, he's floating in
1: space. Yeah, I (laughs) think (laughs) spoiler, uh, I think, um, I think if you're looking in pop culture for an allegory of God's love. Interstellar is a good example, but it's not the best. There are plenty others you can find. Um, because, it, because in my opinion, uh, the greatest line of the movie is when, and I don't care, spoiler, whatever, la, 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 earmuffs, all right? Um, I think the greatest line of the movie is when, I don't even know her name, the daughter, when she runs out of the house and when her brother is coming back from the field and she looks at him and he says, dad's going to save us. That like I just got chills, and I said it. That <laughs> that line, the idea of that of God's redeeming love—he would do whatever it takes to save us—that is the gospel. But in terms of a complete allegory, they're probably better ones you can find. Yeah. <laughs> go watch *Lion Witch in the Wardrobe*. Ah, oh, yes. Actually, no. Go read *Lion Witch in the Wardrobe*. English major. Let's go.
0: <laughs> okay. Do any of you have any tattoos?
1: No, I don't. I don't. I don't have the guts to do it. I've said since I 18, I wanted, but I don't have one. You have
3: one.
2: You had one, or had
1: have currently? Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. He's got a full back piece of David Beckham's face. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world. Good <laughs> guy. <laughs> so you have one tattoo. Yeah. Okay. I there, one tattoo. Um. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, next. I think we're... What would you get, Matt? If you were to get anything, what would you get? I can't, all right, I can't draw stick figures well, like, it's difficult for me to do that, okay, that's not my artistic creativity, but, a tattoo artist can, right, well, I don't want a stick figure, um, oh. I did draw this one thing, it was of this angel, it was like, um, I can't remember his name now, there's this artist, and it kind of looked like that, I always said I would get something of that put somewhere, just because of the, the connotation, and the meaning of that to me, in the season life, I was in when I did it, but, but I don't have it, no. Where'd you get it? On your neck? My face. Teardrop. Teardrop, rather. To it. Yeah. The neck no. piece. Yeah, LA like game does. Yes? What's your personal,
3: I think, if you have a tattoo, impossible.
2: you're going to hell. I'm just kidding.
1: Nope. Shoot.
2: I say no that because Taylor none. has so them. tattoo So for I the podcast,
1: that was sarcasm.
3: <laughs> just joking. I mean, Wait, we're podcasting this?
2: Just joking. Yeah,
3: you're <laughs> welcome. Fun.
2: <laughs> you have one. Go first.
3: I think you should get as many as you possibly. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they kind of applause. Here's what I would say. Um, I think you should be smart. Yeah. I think re- regardless of how you think people should view you with no judgment and, you know, the whole idea of don't judge a book by its cover, I think that's the right way to treat people. However, it's not reality. So I think, um, I think you should be smart with it.
2: Um, high school page would say, no, don't do it. You know, you have to keep your image up. Like, you're not a good reflection of Christ. Basically, my parents scared me to death. Said, if you ever get a tattoo, you know, we'll kill you or whatever. They just made it so horrible. And so I felt like my perception to others would be horrible. But now I'm a little bit freer in life, and I don't live under the people's perce- perception Perceptions? I would probably get one now, but it would be so small and so hidden. No one would ever even know. So what was the point, you know? You're yeah. not a bad person if you have a to
1: Yeah, it. I think that there's, there's, a, there's a social gospel that you can live out um, where mm-hmm. if you're someone with authority, you have to be always aware of what other people think. So in the same way, publicly, listen, there's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. I, I know that... Uh, Whatever of where I am, and I shouldn't say it. There's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. There's something wrong with being drunk. Being drunk is a sin. Drinking alcohol is not. Having a sip of beer is not a sin. Being drunk is a sin. And however, um, I'm not going to go to a bar and have a uh, drink because of the connotation that it, that it gives people. And I have to be aware of their immaturity and their legalism that they may walk around with because the moment I do that, I may have undermined my own authority yeah. to that person. And so I would rather be safe and live above reproach and not do it. But if I have something at home, when it's me and my wife or with my friends who know me so well that they don't questioning me, then so in terms of tattoos, I think you do have to be smart publicly. But the whole like, The Bible says you can't have tattoos. That's completely out of context. Mm -hmm. That was specifically written to say you should be set apart, Israel, from all the pagan cultures around you that are putting tattoos all over their body. And a great way to show that you're set apart is not to follow their practices or rituals or traditions, which include getting tattoos. So don't go do that. Be God's people. Be set apart in the context of ancient Israel. Today, just in the same way that ancient Israel wouldn't go eat in unclean meat. Right. How many of y'all want to eat meat that's just like a hockey puck? No, give me a filet mignon, medium rare, right? In Israel, back before Jesus, that would not be okay. Will just said, preach. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> but when Jesus came along, in the Bible it says all the things of like what you take into your body and the, and the way that you know, it's not, you're not bound to this law of those specific things that Israel was in the context because he fulfilled it. Mm-hmm. So don't think that there's a biblical... If someone says the Bible says you can't have a tattoo, that's horrible hermeneutics and really bad context.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But okay. yeah,
0: I'm personally it's, a fan of tattoos. Yeah. I have one myself. Yeah, so she's
1: a pagan, um, <laughs> and she's a woman, right? Like double huh. whammy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, it's it's ten o'clock. Let's do one final question. Is that Savannah? Are you showing me it's ten o'clock? Is that what you're doing? Is that really what you're doing, Mom? Why are you trying to chaperone us? Don't say it's bedtime. Don't flip on the like. Don't, don't want us, okay? Um, no, you have a follow-up on, on that? Uh, no, just have a question. Another Hang on. Wait, okay. Go Come ask me the question. Christine, find one more question from this. Christine's got one more question we're going to ask, and then that's going to be it. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to go. And then y'all can keep asking questions. Listen, isn't this good? You should be asking questions. Whatever riddles you have in your mind and of your faith, you should be asking people that might have a little bit more wisdom than where you are. Go seek out counsel. Don't be afraid to ask it. It doesn't make you a worse Christian if you have doubts and if you aren't sure of something. I have doubts, and I'm not sure of stuff sometimes. And yet I wrestle through them, and I try to figure it out because it grows you up in your faith. So ask questions. And the final question for tonight
0: should we be wealthy in this life? Is it moral to drive a nice car, have a nice house, etc., while thousands starve daily? Quite a loaded question for you. I'll we leave you leave. with uh,
3: one line from our senior pastor this past Sunday, and he said, uh, "You can love God and have money. You cannot love money and have God." Does that make sense? So uh, the Bible is very, very clear about the love of money. Um, You know, the root of all evil and and a lot of stuff about money. Say that one more time. You can love God and have money. There's nothing wrong with having money. uh, But you cannot love money and have God.
2: I mean, that wraps.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. Is there anything wrong with having nice things? No. Um, If the nice things rule you, then yes. Um, If you are a wise, uh, like... The Bible and the parable of the talents that Jesus talks about, the dude that handled his, handled his talents, handled his money really well, got more. Yeah. Uh, to whom God has given a lot and has done well with and stewarded it well, he will give more. And here's the other side of it. A lot of times we focus on the flashy material side of wealth. But what if the greatest possible way that somebody could impact the kingdom is God giving them success in their business so that they could have a lot of money that they could then go fund people who God has specifically said, go and lead these people. Then they will have the capacity and the funding to go and pour into these people who can go and do far greater things than they ever could on their own. Wouldn't that be within God's design? And so don't question the outside. You have no idea what God's doing really in terms of in the heart. You cannot love money and love God. Um, but don't question, just because somebody has more than you doesn't mean that they're more blessed, less blessed. Less
2: spiritual. Right, less spiritual
1: than, than the person who's going and giving everything away. It's a heart issue. Money is never a money issue. Can we all hear that? All eyes right here? Money is never a money issue. Money is a heart issue. If you hold it like this, it's an issue. If you hold it like this, it's not. It's a provision issue is what we talked about two weeks ago. So, yeah, go back and watch the teaching from PK. And-
3: yeah, yeah and, and I would say this too. Before God uh, will trust you with much, he wants to know if you'll be faithful with little. Okay? So before you can start going, God, give me a lot, give me a lot, give me a lot, uh, will you be faithful with the little that he's given you now? And so that, that applies to a lot more than, than money, but um, I think that will help.
1: Ron Blue says, the way to break the curse of money is to give. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so try to outgive God. Try. Try. It's the one thing in the Bible he says, test me on this. You can't outgive me. I'm going to take care of you. So, heart issue. Trust him. I hope this is beneficial. I hope this is helpful. Um, if you need to talk for a few minutes, we can't stay here forever. They're already kind of cleaning up in the back. Uh, but you can come find me. Uh, if y'all need to run, you absolutely can. We all give it up for Paige and Austin. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. I told you didn't need be nervous. Uh, and we all also, please give it up for Christine. Blake Shelton. Um, so, yeah, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to head out. Um, and next week, remember, night of worship. If if you got a friend that you think might enjoy this, next week's the time to bring him. It's gonna it's gonna be so good. Uh, so let's pray, Father. Um, Father, I thank you for this evening, God. I thank you that we can ask questions. I thank you that you've built into the fabric of our of our faith DNA the ability to ask questions, to grow up, to seek you and to find you, and to put people in our lives that might have a sense of an answer. If we would just have the courage and the confidence to say, "I don't know," help me out. So, Father, my ask is that. That same narrative, that same ask, would become the banner and the theme of everyone's heart in here. That we would be so, uh, that we would be filled with such humility from you that we would approach you and say, "God, I don't know. So would you teach me? Would you educate me? Would you counsel me? Because that's why you sent the Holy Spirit to be just that for us. So be our guide, be our answer, be our everything that we need, Father. And I pray that this group would be solidified and unified." Father, around the idea of this and what we get to go after. So may you be made famous in this place, in our lives, in our questions, and in our stories, Father. We love you. We praise you. Be glorified through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all.